Sunday, March 5th. Welcome back to the Island College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander here with me, and we got a lot to get to, including North Carolina's win over Duke that secured an outright ACC regular season title. And we'll get to Missouri's decision to fire Kim Anderson before his third season is even done. But I want to start with, if you don't mind, Norlander, the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament title game was earlier today on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Final score, Wichita State 71, Illinois State 51. So uh, the Shockers are headed to the NCAA tournament, no matter whether Jerry Palm wants them there or not. Uh, What about Illinois State, Norlander? Two questions for you. A, should Illinois State get in? B, will Illinois State get in? I'm going to flip that on you, GP. Will they... I don't believe that they will. I would love to be surprised, but given the teams populating the bubble, the amount of wins that those teams have acquired, and Illinois State's lack of victories against top opponents, I don't think the Redbirds are going to get in. Should they get in? As of right now, when we record this Sunday at 7.40, while I have not done out a full bracket, I am inclined to believe that if I did, I would not put Illinois State in right now. But um, depending on what happens over the next three, four days, if teams certainly take bad losses, um, there could potentially be a case. The problem here is that Illinois State, unfortunately, um, has kind of a killer combo. Um, One, it, it did beat Wichita State, yes, at home. But it lost to Wichita State, and those two losses that came to the Shockers, one on the road and one neutral, were by an average of like 31 points. That is rough, and will be something that gets brought up. Another thing that goes into this that hurts Illinois State is that it cannot schedule at the level that it likely would, would try to because you know Illinois State was a known commodity in the coaching community. <laughs> they were going to be a good team. They had plenty of uh, elder statesmen. And this was not going to be Dan Muller was not going to have this team in a down year. And so what happens is immediately and basically name almost any single team that Muller would have liked to have scheduled to help his overall resume for this very scenario. It was a non-starter. It was never going to happen. And the third thing is Illinois State went and played road games and lost those road games. And it has three losses to sub 100 teams. And because of that. It's just not going to be enough, even though the record overall, 27-6, and six, is good. The Valley being down also hurts them as well. That's where I land. What about you? I'd love for them to be in. And if they were in, I think they could win a game. Uh, it's hard to figure out how they're going to get there, though. Um, only two top 100 wins. Um, and they, the thing that's different between them and Wichita State is, you know, Wichita State didn't have really bad losses. Um, I think every loss that Wichita State had was to a probable NCAA tournament team, except for Wichita State's loss to Illinois State. Um, and if you were saying Illinois State should have been in three days ago, then at that time, I believe this is true, double-check me, but uh, I believe Wichita State, their losses were all early and to NCAA tournament teams, whereas yes, yeah, whereas Illinois State's got losses to TCU, San Francisco, Tulsa, and Murray State. I mean, I just watched Tulsa lose to Tulane. Don't ask why I watched that, but I did. Um, <laughs> and like so, like that's a that that's the problem is that they don't have. Sometimes if you have bad losses, you got so many good wins that it doesn't matter. Or if you've got, or, or if you've got a shortage of wins, we can point to the losses and go, yeah, but man, they haven't lost anybody. Illinois State's got bad losses and they don't have enough good wins. It, it's it sucks because that team's good enough to 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 be in the tournament. But the resume I don't think is going to be. And I know I think the last Jerry Palm update had him as like first four out. And that's great. I guess you can like hold on to some hope if you want to. But here's the truth. Um, I can't remember the last time a team was like in the first four out a week before Selection Sunday with its season over and actually right. got there. Because like people just pass you. You know, somebody gets hot. You know, it's it's it's. 
it's Syracuse getting hot or Wake Forest winning two games in the ACC tournament or you know, like whatever. Like it does. Like it does. It's um, it's Vanderbilt. You know, going to the SEC championship game. Just something like that happens every year. Uh, like if you're if you're in the clubhouse right now, it's like almost like a, being a golfer. You're in the clubhouse and you're in, you know, you're 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 two shots back, but like everybody's birdieing the back nine. Like you got no chance. Like they're just you. They're not going to come back to you. And so that's ultimately what I think is going to happen in Illinois State. Like it's not going to come back to them. The bubble's going to shrink. There's going to be teams in power conferences that that jump ahead of them, and you know ultimately there'll be a there'll be a great NIT team. Um, it's it's the hardest part about playing in a league like the NBC. Like the reason Illinois State doesn't have quality wins, top 100 wins, it's not their fault. It's Northern Iowa's fault. It's Missouri State's fault. It's Southern Illinois's fault. Um, you know, like at, at least in the WCC, you know St. Mary's and Gonzaga, like they get an opportunity to get BYU. Um, you know, ultimately, I, I think that the difference really between St. Mary's wins and like Illinois State's wins is that St. Mary's beat BYU a couple times. You know, like what should that yeah. re- should that really be the difference? Probably not. <laughs> but like BYU's a top seventy RPI team, so like that matters. You know, as as it as it pertains to the way the selection committee looks into this stuff, and so um, yeah, you know, and I, I uh, you know uh, maybe next year, but it is sort of a tough deal being in the NBC. If it's a league where you can't get quality wins, but it's also a league with a monster like Wichita State, like that's the worst possible setup. Like, like at least if you're in the Horizon or the MAC or whatever, there's not this this one school that's outspending and out recruiting everybody else in what is you know mostly going to be a one bid league. I know it can be a two bid league. I know it was last year, but like that's a tough setup for those other MVC schools. Because if you can't get two school, if you don't have enough quality in the league to get quality wins in the league, and you can't get a second team in the NCAA tournament more often than not, and Greg Marshall and Wichita State are still sitting there, like what are you fighting for? NITs every year? Like it really might be. Right. You either gotta you gotta pick them off in the tournament, which had happened as yeah. we spoke. This yeah. is only Wichita State's second league title in 29 years in the postseason. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a tough deal, and the Valley was was more down this year than it should have been and normally is that so that's not that's not easy as well gp in terms of wichita state uh i I posted this question on twitter and i i now wonder how wichita state will be seated it's a top 10 ken palm team if you went and they they should not and will not go strictly by that but that would suggest wichita state is you know on the three line um but if you want to be conservative you could say wichita state should be a six seed that's a conservative if you took the metrics and you see what Wichita State's been able to do. You see how it's just romping and turning into fine powder. Basically, everyone uh, since the calendar turned to January. I mean, there is there is a valid case if you wanted to make Wichita State a four seed. I don't think that'll happen. I have no idea what the committee's going to do. Um, I put them on the six line. I think I think that's about fair between resume metrics, seeing what they can do, eye test, all of that. Last year, Wichita State rated very highly as well. They got dropped into the first four. So, and that was as an at-large team. So, I don't know. What I am intrigued for GP here, and let me know where you think you'd see them, but wouldn't it be something, and I wonder if this will happen, uh, a little twist of irony here is if um, this just beast of a team gets dropped into the 8-9 game and a one seed's like, you got to be kidding me. No, we got to get mean, out of the that, first that, weekend. That, I, I, I wonder if they're going to be dropped in that in that pod because I kind of think it might happen. To me, that's the like, th- this is the most difficult part of dealing with a team that plays in a league that they dominate um, but doesn't give them an opportunity to get quality wins because you know as well as I do. What the selection committee cares about is like top 25 wins, top 50 wins, top 100 wins, those types of things. That's what matters. Um, they, they, they take into account everything, but ultimately they want to see a long list of, of wins, uh, quality wins. Wichita State's never going to have that or rarely going to have that. So And they don't have it this year. So if you seed them based on their resume, you're going to end up seeding them down low. And, but if you seed them low, it's not only unfair to them, it is more unfair to the teams they get matched up against. And if I were a one seed and I looked up and Wichita State is 10th in Kimpom and my eight seed, what? 
I know. Right? Hey, uh, hold up. I, I got to I got to play a top 10 Kimpom team. I'm the one seed. So like you put Kansas Wichita State in the same pot. Oh, dude, forget. First of all, if it's Wichita State, it's Kansas or somehow Kentucky. And like if Wichita State's like the 10 and Kentucky's a two, uh, forget about it. Those fan bases will freak the hell out and declare conspiracy. There's no doubt about it. Because remember, Wichita State beat Kansas in the tournament. And then Kentucky was the unfair matchup for undefeated Wichita State a few years ago. Can you imagine Kansas being the number one overall seed, which which will probably happen, by the way. Uh, Kansas is number one overall seed, gets a one. Wichita gets an eight. In the same pod, and they're in the round of 32. It's a one versus eight game, and it's Kansas minus two. Oh my goodness! Because that's what it would be. Like the idea that you'd have to play a one eight game and be a two point favorite. Like that's ridiculous. And so I don't know exactly where I fall on this in the sense that um, I haven't like argued with myself enough about it. Um, but I, I think I could get behind the idea of. Build the you know, uh, select the teams based off resumes. The, okay, now we got the teams. Let's seed based off of Ken Palm. Like I think I could get behind some version of that because all Ken Palm is, uh, not all Ken Palm is, but what, know, I, what it mostly is 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 it is it, it's it's something that tells you what Vegas would consider to be the favorite. I'm oversimplifying this. I know Ken, if you're listening, stop rolling your eyes. But but what it is is. Like it basically, you and I know it lines up with Las Vegas really well, really well, and it it it, it 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 shows you like in terms of point spreads on games who would be favored on a neutral court. If you just let, and I don't want to say only Ken Palm, perhaps it's Ken Palm and Sa- or well, I don't care. You figure it out. But using some sort of formula to seed the teams based off of who's actually is considered better and the ways that Vegas considers them better. That way, you don't get massive like seed variants from reality because the truth is if you if you see wichita state based on the resume they're going to end up being in a game that their opponent shouldn't have to play and that is it everybody always says it's unfair to wichita it ain't unfair to wichita as much as it's unfair to last year arizona that's who got screwed by wichita being underseeded last year arizona got screwed and you know i just there's got to be a better way to handle that particular that very specific issue yeah. Now the this is so slippery, and I agree. I agree. There's no we're, perfect. We're way. years from finding a resolution on this because the committee's explicit intent is to f- select and field uh, the bracket in terms of accomplishment, with acknowledgement that within the committee room they will be discussing how good they think teams are, but they by no means seed the field with any sort of predictive measurements. But we're just we're creeping closer to that because the NCAA is going to adapt officially and formally. Sagarin, Ken Palm, BPI, ESPN actually has two. It has a predictive and a non-predictive, and I'm told that they'll probably introduce both of those as well. Plus, you've got non-predictive stuff like RPI and KPI. So, yeah, there's there's a lot that needs to be determined with that, and if a if a greater philosophical change has to happen, I understand people that would resist that um but this is going to be really interesting because if if like if wichita state is put as a 10 they got no business being a 10 they just have zero like and and this kind of happens every year almost every year gp like the 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 bracket will be seated and comes out every year you'll see a story one or two or three Vegas odds makers on the record just killing the NCAA saying, like, look, at this. this is a joke. You, you know, it, 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 either it's outright first round stuff and and an 11 being a four point favorite over a six or if not even just that, like a, a 10 that would, you know, ideally be favored over or whomever or whatever. So, yeah, it, it will be it will be very interesting. Uh, but the bottom line is no matter what, wherever you put Wichita State, um, it is just it's going to be a nightmare for that pod, that region. Uh, this team is just so good. Um, I, I'm not going to say I won't, no matter what, put them into the Sweet 16. They they would just have to be presented with a truly legitimate opponent and really good matchup for me not to put the Shockers into the second weekend. Well, I don't know if you saw Greg Marshall's post-game interview, but you know Greg, Greg knows what a good team looks like. He's had a bunch of them, all, dating all the way back to Winthrop. Uh, and he said, no, I've thought for a while, this is a team that can win several games in the NCAA tournament. That's the word he used, several. 
And and so like he, I don't know if he was asked or if he just expanded on his own. He was like, so like, what does several mean? I don't know. It's vague. It's a vague term, but it means more than one. I think we go in several games. Like he's very confident with perhaps Greg's very confident all the time, but he's, he's, a spe- yeah, I think that's fair. But he's especially, and you know what? Like, why wouldn't you be if you were Greg Marshall? <laughs> like if I were Greg Marshall, I'd be super confident too. I, I yeah. ran things at Winthrop so much that I had got my name on the court. Isn't his name on the court there? Or uh, no, is it? I think, no. no, here's what I think. At one point they were willing to put his name on the court. Okay. It's either on it or that was like in the like cards. Like, please don't leave us. We'll put your name on the court. It's something like that. Well, right? Shout out to Pat Kelsey because he just got Winthrop to the tournament as well shout, on Sunday. With shout, shout out to Pat Kelsey. Shout out to Pat Where's Ke- Winthrop located, Don't GP? tell me. It's not too far from Chester, South Carolina. I know that. I know that for sure. Yeah, shout right, out to Devin, out. Devin Towney. In fact, in fact, somebody tweeted me one time and said, "How did Greg Marshall let Devin Downey get away from Winthrop?" And I didn't have a good answer for that. I don't know. I'm I have to, no answers. I'm about to sit. No I'm, about to, I'm about to sit down with Greg someday and say, "Okay, listen, Fred VanVleet, that was nice. Ron Baker, congratulations. You let Devin Downey slip right through your freaking hands. You were at Winthrop. He was at, Ch- at Chester High. Did you not get down to Chester High enough? What do you think the answer is to that?" It, clearly, the answer is yes. Like, yes, I did not get down there. <laughs> Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Terry Teagle. Uh, back to Illinois State for a second because I, I did want to make this point. I want them in the tournament. I just don't think there's any way that the committee, forget me, that the committee is going to be able to rationalize it. Because even last year when we were having similar conversations about Wichita State, right? Like, they should be in and we want them in and all that stuff. Um, they had a Ken Palm number that suggested this is really one of the best 20 teams in the country. Like, if you leave them out, you're insane. Illinois State's 49th at Ken Palm. The committee's right. going to have no problem leaving out the 49th team at Ken Palm. I, I think, I can't remember what the number is, but I went back, like, for the past several years, and basically if you were a top something Ken Palm team, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it was like if you're a top 36, top 41, whatever it was, like something in that range, you had not missed, no, none of those teams had missed the NCAA tournament in the past like three or four years, unless they were ineligible for the NCAA tournament. My point is this, it, it, it was certainly higher than 49. You know, they've left out 49 before. Um, I don't think the committee's going to have any problem leaving out uh, 49 again. That's too bad. Um, but uh, as they say, it, uh, it is what it is. Let me tell you about SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time, but not anymore. Not if you use the a promo code COLLEGEBB at SeatGeek.com or when you download the SeatGeek app. That's College BB. Here's what you're doing. You're going to SeatGeek, search for your tickets, whatever you want. Basketball tickets, baseball tickets, concert tickets, doesn't matter. When you find what you want, buy them and use the promo code COLLEGEBB and SeatGeek's going to send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Now, what's so great about SeatGeek that makes it different from these other horrible ticket purchasing sites the ones that you should never get on because you might catch viruses, um, is that a SeatGeek is going to handle price comparison for you. They're going to search multiple ticket outlets. So you don't have to search a million different places to make sure you're getting the best tickets or the best deal. They'll do that for you. They do the work. You save money. They do the work. You save time. So go to SeatGeek.com or download the app in, this, uh, in the app store. SeatGeek. Use promo code COLLEGEBB. They're going to send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. That's SeatGeek. Millions of tickets in one place from the everybody saw this one coming department uh, missouri has uh, divorced itself from kim anderson or at least announced that they will be divorcing uh, after missouri loses uh, in the sec tournament which means they will be divorcing as soon as missouri's first game in the sec tournament okay. is complete am i wrong you want to do you want to no, you're not wrong you it's gamble just, on that we'll gamble on it if you want no to. it's <laughs> blunt and accurate uh, eight and forty-six in the SEC in three years, and I'm not here to pile on. Uh, I don't really know Kim, but by all accounts, he's a, he's a nice, nice enough guy. So like, whatever. Uh, I just never understood this hire. Never made sense to me. This isn't one of those uh, revisionist history. Like I knew Kim Anderson was never gonna work, and like you, you actually thought he was might. Um, like I never, uh, I, I, you know, when I'm wrong, I, I'll say I'm wrong. Um, I never got this. Like I, Ben Hallen wanted that job. They wouldn't. They barely took his call. Like I don't even know if they took his call. Like I, I, I you know, I, I, I know he had people like reaching out to Missouri. Like, hey, I got three Final Fours and I'm looking for a job. If you're interested, 
And they were like, no, like, no, we got our guy. Kim Anderson? Like somebody who hadn't been in Division One basketball in 15 years? And so it, it went, I, I was going to say about the way I thought. I honestly didn't think it would go this poorly, if only because I, it's hard to imagine things going this poorly. <laughs> but 8-46 and 46 in uh, three years, and so now they will be uh, starting a coaching search. They've already been reaching out to different candidates, different agents, trying to gauge uh, what type of job they've got. Um, the name that I have heard most closely associated with it is Conzo Martin. Explain uh, this for people that don't quite get why he would be a candidate. Well, he's from East St. Louis. Um, East St. Louis is a lot like West Memphis, Arkansas. It's in Illinois, but it's like it's across the river from St. Louis, Missouri. He basically grew up in a, um, I don't want to say a suburb because suburb implies like something other than East St. Louis. East St. Louis is rough. If you've ever been to St. Louis and you ended up in a strip club, Probably at East St. Louis. <laughs> okay. so, I mean, anybody who's ever anybody from East St. Louis knows what I'm talking about, right? And so, uh, you know, like he grew up in a, it's, it's like it's rough, uh, but like on the border, like if if you like, there's Memphis and then there's West Memphis, Arkansas, Memphis, Tennessee, West Memphis, Arkansas, right across the river. There's St. Louis, Missouri, and then East St. Louis, uh, Illinois, right across the river. And so um, he's got connections to the area, um, and. Uh, you know, the question becomes, like, does he want to leave California? Like, uh, best I, uh, for the most part, people I know who move to California <laughs> don't ever want to leave California. Uh, but He's in a good area. He's in a great area. But there is a massive, like, you know, <clears throat> you can you can wear out your welcome almost anywhere. Like, stay a little too long. Consul's like, I think he's pretty smart about, like, understanding, like, don't ever stay too long anywhere. Yeah, he's been at Cal two years. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, okay, let's say they missed it this year. And then they miss it again Which next I year. Which I think they will. And by the way, I think that they should. California right now I would not have in the field. I think it needs to get stuff done in the Pac-12 tournament. But are you saying – so he's been in there three years, though, yeah, by the way. Yeah, he was, was at Missouri State – well, the pattern could hold here. Yeah. He was at Missouri State three years, did Tennessee three years, done Cal three years. Right. I think the Mizzou job's got to be well, next like, year. Well, like, okay, let's say you stay at Cal. Okay, you miss it this year, you stay at Cal. Next year, you miss it again. Probably don't get fired, but you go into year five and, like, they're talking about – this is the year. You better prove it or else you were going. Okay. Like, so you got two years guaranteed left. That's it. Missouri comes in with a six-year contract. What do you do? Six-year contract for comparable money, better cost of living, closer to where you grew up. What do you do? I'd probably take it. I think that's a really tough call. Um, uh, because of living situation, a contract would obviously depend how much you want to go home or feel the need to go home, relatively speaking, with Columbia and its distance to East St. Louis. The league recruiting, what he can bring in, what he thinks he's going to have a good grip on in terms of prospects that he will bring in for sure next season, then maybe the year after. Um, I'm not convinced he will take this job or that it would necessarily even be the first choice for Mizzou. Um would be interesting. I mean, listen, Missouri is going to want a sitting head coach. There's no doubt about that. If Cal doesn't get in this year, and let's just go, listen, they could get in. Don't get me wrong. But I just, and I think Palm has them in. I would not have them in right now. Uh, but if they don't get in, uh, Martin will have been a coach for nine years and made two NCAA tournaments in that time. Um, lost in the first round, was upset last year by Hawaii, if I remember correctly and then squeaked in with Tennessee his final year there before the fan base pushed him out. So if you're a Missouri fan, is the Quanzo Martin hire satiating your appetite? I mean, is and is that the best type of candidate that you could get? Because it will be interesting to see, because I happen to think that if you got the right guy and you actually got it rolling at Mizzou, which is harder said than done, without a doubt, it's like one of the best programs to never make a Final Four. But if you got it going, like, I could see you really just establishing yourself as a top three team program in that league. And that would be a very nice place to live in terms of, like, the league itself. If you got Mizzou as top three in the SEC, you're going to the tournament. You'd be able to recruit well. It's in a decent spot. So there's a lot to consider there. I'm just a little, I'm a little up in the air in terms of who will take the job. And what names will establish themselves as true front runners over the next two weeks? Yeah, I'm not trying to promise you that Conzo would do it. I'm just trying to explain to you why, if I were Conzo, I might do it. And it would have very little to do with going back home. The truth is, once you, this isn't true without exception. Um, but like, once you've been gone from quote home for 20 years, 
Like home doesn't even feel like home anymore. Like you just get you like sure. home is wherever your children are growing up. You know, like I remember having this conversation with Jamie Dixon one time and uh, you know, he it's when he ultimately he left Pitt, but that wasn't because he was like anxious to get out of Pitt. It was like you know, they they lowered his buyout so he would go. Like it was just like they didn't appreciate him anymore. It was just like it was just time to go. But you know, Jamie's from Southern California. And, you know, it was USC job open. There was a bunch of West Coast jobs that had opened. And people always assumed, well, he's going to go back home. And he was like, home is, like, I've been in Pitt for, like, like Pittsburgh for, like, 15 years. Or it wasn't quite that long, but, like, 10 years. Like, my kids were born in Pittsburgh. They're being raised in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Like, home is Pittsburgh. That's where home is. I feel that whole, GP, I feel like the whole notion of doing that is so much more based in football. And maybe I'm wrong, and the, and the fans of this podcast who listen who are, like, really into football as well, not that it doesn't exist in basketball as well, but I just feel like that whole notion, it's just so much more, like you're so much more prevalent, I don't know. Maybe that's because you know, football's huge in the South, and if you grew up in the South, it means more there. That might be a part of it as well. I don't know. Yeah. But you're, you're, you're definitely onto something with this. Right. Um, but with Con- So I don't know what he would do. I'm just saying, if you miss the tournament this year, and, year, and year, that's year three, then year four, let's say you also miss it, and you head into year five with, with job pressure on you, it would mean that you've only got if, – if you told me that Conzo, if he misses it this year and, year and next year and the year after, he would be fired at Cal if he missed it, which is a very reasonable. That, that's usually the way these Power 5 jobs go. Like if you, if you miss it three straight years at a school like Cal, uh, we got to make a change. So if you told me that's, that's the reality, if that happens, what you're telling me, he's got two years guaranteed left to coach at Cal. If Missouri comes in with a six-year contract, guaranteed money, and you're going to get four years no matter what, then that, to me at least, makes sense in terms of job security, makes sense in in terms of of money. Uh, It doesn't mean that I I would definitely do it, but that's or that I think Conzo would definitely do it, but that's at least um, one way of thinking. Another name that has been associated uh, with that job, Lorenzo Romar. And I think for obvious reasons, uh, he used to coach at St. Louis. That's not really the obvious reason. The obvious reason is Michael Porter Sr. is on the staff. Michael Porter Sr. was an assistant coach at Missouri, women's assistant coach, before he got a job on, on Lorenzo's staff at Washington. He's the father, of course, of Michael Porter Jr. The idea would be hire Lorenzo Romar. He brings Michael Porter Sr. He brings Michael Porter Jr. You're at Missouri. Next year, you got the number one player in the country. If you're Mizzou, do you explore that? I had heard this floated out two weeks ago, and at least like the boosters that are surrounding that program have definitely thought that this should be something that should be explored. Be careful with that. I mean, what are you chasing there? Look at look at Romar. Look what he hasn't been able to do at Washington, and ask yourself if it's worth it to take a chance. And Romar has had some success over the years. Don't get me wrong. That's, the, th- is- that's the thing that, about Romar that's interesting. Like he, right now, it's just, he is, and I mean this with all due respect, but in the way that, you know, Johnny Jones had Ben Simmons and did nothing with it. Uh, Lorenzo's had Marquise Chris. John There's Burr. been a lot, Parrish. There's been a lot, right, uh, right. And done nothing with it. Except, like he's, it's weird because he's got big accomplishments in his background. It's not like he's never won, you know? Like I don't like I don't understand why why is he how did this turn to the point where because most of the time guys who once won when they stop winning is because they stopped getting players he still got the players just not winning with them I don't really understand it it's a pretty unique deal yeah it is unique and um, listen I feel I've been critical here and there and doing the freshman rankings with him and not that like we, I need to be killing Lorenzo Romar but last year Johnny Jones was just. <laughs> impaled on a weekly basis with LSU and Ben Simmons. And I rem- I've mentioned this on the podcast. Like I remember years ago, like when I just started like getting on Twitter and I was still using college Hoops journal, getting the CBS. Like I remember like the Washington fan base being irregularly like fed up with Romar and I'm talking GP. I'm talking like 2013, 2012, even like they made the tournament in 2011. The fans might've thought the team should have been better. So I know that they're ready for a, a divorce from that. Um, all I'm saying is, do you pursue it? Maybe you have conversations and you see if it's possible. But I think many people listening would agree 
that if they did go that route and they got Michael Porter and you know what, it was amazing for a year. Um, there could be easily a, a scenario where he's there five years. They only go to the tournament once. And then what did you really accomplish? If you're Missouri, you want to get a coach that doesn't see it as a stepping stone job or doesn't see it as a golden parachute. You want a coach that's really just entering the prime of his career between the ages of 35 and 45 that can be there for like a decade, decade plus and get the program back to what the fan base believes it should be. I, I happen to think it might be a top two, top three fascinating job opening. Um, and I just don't know who's going to take her or where it's going to go. I, I'm, I'm very intrigued. If I were Missouri and I was interested in getting Michael Porter Jr., I would go hire the coach I wanted to hire, whoever that is, Conzo Martin, if you can get him, uh, Dan Muller. Like, you know, we talked about Illinois State earlier. Like, Dan would be, you know, Dan was a longtime assistant in the SEC at Vanderbilt. He knows the league. Um, Dan makes a lot of sense to me. I, I, I totally at, agree with at that. At Missouri. So, like, here's what I would do. I'd go hire Dan. Because you don't have to pay $3 million to get Dan Muller, you know? Like, I'm not trying to, to I'm not trying to lower Dan's potential salary, but you don't have to invest. The, you probably don't have to pay $1.5 to get Dan Muller. So here's what I do. I pay, you know, whatever. I just, I just you offer the job to Dan Muller, you're probably going to get Dan Muller. And then I give him $300,000 to go hire Michael Porter Sr. That's the way I, that's the way I do that deal. I, I go, I, I tell Michael Porter Sr., come back to Columbia uh, we'll, we're going to overpay you. Like, why the, Why isn't that the route to go? Rather than hire Lorenzo and Michael Porter Sr. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, I mean, it's just harder to be to pull off those maneuvers. And uh, Is it doable in theory? Maybe I just, you know, that could also blow up in your face, but we'll see. Oh, sure. but, uh, and, then, and then, and then, and then oh, yeah. if it blows up in your face, what's the absolute worst thing that happened? You missed out on a player for, for four months. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, anyway, the Missouri job that NC State's we'll open now. Missouri is open. We got now. more to come. I mean, we're oh. gonna be talking about this. I mean, it's coming. You know. Yeah, I mean, by the time we get back here on Wednesday, there'll be more um, yeah. uh, jobs opening, and then by the end of this week, it'll be all over the place because uh, once these Power Five conference tournaments get going, um, and yes, I'm gonna keep saying Power Five over and over again. Every time you tweet me and tell me not to use the word Power Five, I go, I write, I actually type it into my notes. To remind oh, me, man. to remind me to say it over. And Big East and fans, over I got you. Traditional, traditional Big Six conferences, I got you. <laughs> Parish can, Parish can be the bad cop. Whatever. <laughs> so, so these, so the Power Five conference tournaments are going to get going. You know, the ones that really matter, the great ones. And so, uh, and, and when those bad teams with coaches on the hot seat end up, you know, their season's over. Well, then it's going to pop, 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 pop. And so that'll that'll be going on all week, uh, probably multiple. Uh, times a day. Um, one of the tournaments is going to get going on, ACC tournament. North Carolina is the number one seed. They beat Duke on Saturday night. Uh, I think the point spread was seven. They won it by seven. It was really like uh, one possession game most of the game. And then Carolina pulled away a little bit at the end. Joel Berry was, was terrific. Michael Jordan was there and said the ceiling is the roof for the North Carolina football program. The ceiling is the roof. I'm actually, you know what, I'm bummed we got this deep into the podcast and had not. How did I, I not open? to drop that. I had totally forgotten about ceiling is the roof until just now. Dude, <laughs> how good was that? And, and is Michael Jordan the greatest gift for the internet ever? Like he gives us crying yeah. Jordan, and then he gives us the ceiling is the roof. It sounds like this. Something Charlie Day would say on "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." It's it's just just amazing, and uh, <laughs> he really Jordan is the gift that just keeps on giving. And by the way, I grew up an absolutely massive, I mean, uh, probably to the point of disturbing level of Chicago Bulls Michael Jordan fandom. So it has been interesting to see how his uh, general <laughs> existence in greater pop culture and internet meme culture has just continued to thrive. And so yes. Uh, GP, the ceiling, <laughs> the ceiling is the roof. The ceiling is the roof. He was out there trying to compliment the football program at North Carolina uh, as strongly as he could, and the words that came out of his mouth were, "The ceiling is the roof." I'll be honest with you. I was sitting here um, watching the game, and I had already poured a drink, and I was wondering. I was like, "Did I have I drank too much?" Because I think Michael Jordan just said, "The ceiling is the roof." Have I, I rewound been, it. <laughs> I had I, I actually had to rewind it. I was like, hold on. I need to make sure Michael Jordan just said the ceiling is the roof. Because if Michael Jordan just said the ceiling is the roof, that is the funniest thing in the world to me. 
And then, of course, Cry and Jordan ends up on top of the Dean Dome, on the Dean Dome roof. I know. Just perfect. So good. Like, oh, my gosh. Too much. So, um, North Carolina won, and they'll be the one seed in the ACC tournament. And that's because they are the ACC regular season champions. And I'm going to yes. keep saying that over and over again, just as much as I say Power 5, because it annoys idiots. Why are there these ACC fans who just reject the idea that there's a such thing as an ACC regular season championship? Because I don't think that the ACC regular season champion is acknowledged in official record books because of unbalanced schedules. And so because of that, they only consider a crapshoot league tournament to determine an official champion, which is no better, by well, the way. Well, by if the you're going to look into like actuality and, and what's the most deserving, an unbalanced schedule is still a better way to determine the champion over a 14, 16, 18, or as the ACC will be going to a 20-game sample size than having to win three games in a row. Uh, well, uh, according to Andrew Carter who's a uh, North Carolina beat writer. Uh, the ACC absolutely does recognize regular season championships. Shout out to Oh, Andrew I had been long told that it did not. Uh, Andrew Carter's the beat writer. I'm going to trust him, right? He's not yeah. only a beat writer, he's a smart guy. Even though he took issue with me on NC State, I still respect him as a smart man. And so I will, uh, I, I'll just I'll defer to him. He says the ACC does uh, acknowledge regular season championships, so they do. Beyond that, go look at Mike Krzyzewski's resume or Roy Williams. Or any ACC coach. There ain't many who will get to win those championships. Jim Laranega, go to his Wikipedia page right now. You know what it says? Go go, go look at his bio on the Miami official website. Go look at Coach K's bio on the Duke official website. Roy's bio on the North Carolina official website. They all mention ACC regular season championship. They, they hang banners for these things. And yet, if you ever use the phrase ACC regular season championship, you got seven nerds immediately ready to tell you, well, you know... Uh, what you don't understand is that the AC chart, like, dude, I am double birding you right now into my computer, nerd, to shut up with your AC, ACC regular season championships. Not really a thing. It's only ACC turn. Dude, then tell me why they hang them banners for them. Tell me why they're on Coach K's uh, official bio and Roy's official bio, nerd. And by the way, that it's an unbalanced schedule. I get it. Almost everything in sports is an unbalanced schedule. You know, we have we have a. Uh, an SEC West champion in football and an SEC East champion in football. Those are unbalanced schedules. We don't pretend you can't possibly be an SEC West champion because of an unbalanced schedule. Like, what are you people even talking about? Drive me crazy. What are we even talking about here? What are these people even talking about? Like, if you wake up on a Sunday morning in March anxious to tell somebody there's no such thing as an ACC regular season title, what is wrong with you? Like, if that's how you yeah. get off on a Sunday morning in March... Like, this dude woke up on Sunday morning. Can't wait to tell me how, well, you know, Parrish, the ACC really doesn't have a regular season title. You know what? S my D. Okay, there we go. <laughs> um, uh, anything else from the weekend that you want to hit on here? Can no, just, that was I just... it. I just wanted to come on this podcast, get it started, shout out Devin Downey, say Power 5 a bunch of times, call those idiots that pretend ACC regular season titles don't mean anything, idiots, and then just be done with it. Let me just lob this real quick at you because I did write about it on Saturday. It was uh, crazy that the Big East had every single game go its way that it needed to, and now the conference is positioning itself to have seven teams in the field, and that is only possible because uh, Seton Hall got a huge, huge win on the road. In my opinion, it just is enough to give them uh, as a lock by beating Butler. Uh, Providence Dodge catastrophe one at St. John Xavier Dodge catastrophe one at DePaul and we'll get into more conference stuff because this stuff isn't even going to get going until really Wednesday although Xavier has to dodge catastrophe it has to beat DePaul twice if Xavier loses to DePaul in that first game in the Big East tournament there would be an interesting argument against the Musketeers but I don't think they'll lose so it should not it should matter look at what they've done without Edmund Sumner I know so they just they got to beat DePaul two times in a row but um, that was just an interesting thing for me over the weekend. The Big East had the best weekend, in my opinion, uh, of any conference. But if people are listening for like more bubble stuff, listen, like Wednesday's podcast, we're going to be looking ahead to all those big conference tournaments. And we'll get into Syracuse and Wake Forest and Vanderbilt and Rhode Island and you name it. There's plenty of time to discuss all that stuff. But uh yeah, I just couldn't believe what happened with the Big East there. And overall, it wasn't like a loud, loud weekend. But shout out to the four auto bids, you know, the teams that got in. Jacksonville State, which is, by the way, in Alabama. It's not in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and uh, yeah, so we got four. We got four teams in. Uh, who else is in? Dunk City's in. Uh, Wichita State is in, and Winthrop is in. So those yeah, are the what, four that are in. That, and what that means is Monmouth is out. Oh, I know. Belmont is out. I know. And All these one seats. And it's fun. And by the way, I was just kidding when I said I just wanted to do those things and get out of here. I do actually have a couple more things I want to talk about. Um, Monmouth being out, Belmont's being out, has brought back to the forefront the conversation. Oakland's out of the horizon. Oakland's out of the horizon. Um, that's that's my homie Isaiah Brock. Yep. Army shout veteran. out to Greg Campy. Shout, shout out to Greg Campy for sure. Um, shout out to Keith Benson. <laughs> shout out to Keith Benson. Uh, who, who was the little guard there for last year that we need to shout out? Oh my gosh. Oh, this is. How do I. He was like the Devin Downey of Oakland. He absolutely. Oh my God. We we're talking. I know. I, I, he went pro too. He's going to be a. Plays with the Kate Cavs. Felder, Kate Felder. Yeah, shout out Kate to Kate Felder. Shout out to Kate Felder. So um, so it's like brought back to, to the comment, you know, like, hey, what are we doing with these postseason tournaments? You know, like you, you don't get your best teams in. This is the wrong way to do it. Where do you fall on that debate? We've talked about this. I, I all right. I if I if I was the commissioner of a league personally, um, I would lean toward giving the auto bid to the regular season champion now we've had this discussion actually i think two or three times every year because there are real world issues with this in terms of like contracts with tv networks making money all that stuff you you kind of just in a, in a certain way sell your soul to have that huge moment this week championship week i get that but you also can hinder yourself because if you put your best representative in the tournament, you can also make a lot of money in what are known as tournament units. So if, for example, like Monmouth is legitimately freaking good and loses in a road game, a road environment at Siena because that's where the Mac's holding its damn tournament in the middle of Albany. And so Monmouth, which would have had a good shot at getting one, if not two, it could it could have done it. I'm telling you, it was that good. It, it's won like 60 regular season games the past two years, won't get into the tournament. Um, you lose out on the opportunity to get upset wins in that regard as well. So it's, it, I get both sides of it. I wish for the betterment of college basketball, there were just three or four leagues that said, you know what, we're going to give the auto bid to our regular season champ. If there's a tie at the end of the season, we're going to play it out as is, and you can get the bid that way. And if the regular season champ goes on to win the tournament title, then the runner-up in that game gets to go to the NIT. Because, by the way, for 275 schools, 250 schools, going to the NIT is still a really good thing. It's still a it's a it's a a goal that's not easy to reach, and the chance to play in Madison Square Garden at the end of the season, if you break through to that Final Four in that tournament, is still a big thing. So that's generally where I come from. It. I know you lean toward more like you got to have the tournaments. You got to do it this way. There's a reason for this. Oh, uh, I don't. I don't think you have to have the tournaments, but without the tournaments, you lose all this stuff that people call March Madness. I know. Yeah, like I, I know. Like Gottlieb and I, uh, shout out to Doug Gottlieb, got into a. Uh, I don't want to say an argument, but like we were just going back and forth on it a little bit one time because his idea, and I apologize if I'm not getting it exactly right, but I, I, this is the way I remember it. Um, he said you can't have the best. You know, a team that is awesome you know, from January through March, dominates its league, and then it has one bad night and doesn't get to go to the NCAA tournament. Um, and I understand, like, if you say that sucks, like, I'll, I'll nod along. Yeah, that does suck. Um, but so he said, here's the way, here's the fix. You give the NCAA automatic bid to your regular season champ. And by the way, how are you going to figure that out with all your unbalanced schedules, nerds? <laughs> but you give it to yeah. your regular season champs, and then you play the tournament, and the winner of the tournament gets to go to the NIT. And I said, Doug, who cares about the NIT? Like, like he was like, then you could still sell it as, you know, this is for something. I'm like, it's for something right. nobody cares about. Like, nobody, uh, like you can't uh, have championship week and say, on Monday night, it's the Southern Conference. It's East Tennessee State against Chattanooga for a trip to the NIT. Like, who cares? Like, we went, like who cares? But you, it's East Tennessee State against Chattanooga for a birth to the big dance? Okay, let's go. Championship week. Uh, you, so like, I understand how it's terrible, terrible, I feel terrible. Like for the, uh, the, the, the kids at Belmont have a year like that. Monmouth have a year like that. And then just one bad night and have it blow up on them. Murray state went through this a few years ago with Cameron Payne. 
Like you get you play yes. like Murray State, you got a player like you got a lottery pick. Like it never happens. You'll never like maybe never happen again. And then you have one bad night, and it really wasn't a bad night. Like it was an awesome game, if I remember correctly. Like it was them and Belmont. It was awesome. It was a freaking awesome game. Yeah, and they just lost it because you know what? Because Belmont's good, and like sometimes people lose, and so yeah. and and then it's over. Like I get that that's terrible, but the alternative to not having those high stakes conference tournaments is you lose all the stuff that you say is great. Like, you know, at some point this week, somebody from a three-seeded, one-bid league is going to hit uh, – somebody from a three-seed in a one-bid league is going to hit a buzzer beater to, to win an auto bid or, or, or go for 32 points to win an auto bid. And everybody, they're going to jump around and we're going to talk about how great it is and Rostein's going to tweet, this is March, 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, and like you lose all that, so I get that it sucks when Monmouth loses and Belmont loses. But understand, if you get away from the way we do it now, you lose all the good stuff that you say you love too. Yeah, another. This is very hard to navigate with television schedules, and might be actually like borderline impossible. But if you still want to have the urgency of this and not reward the auto bid to a regular season champion. And by the way, this could screw over the Ivy in its very first year. Princeton is so clearly the best team in the conference, and Penn is the four seed and has played at the Palastro, which is Penn's home venue. That's upcoming Saturday and Sunday, so we're going to get more of this. But if you wanted to dodge it, maybe you say the number one seed's got to be beaten twice in a title game situation, um, and there's a little more leeway there. But then again, it's like, okay, if you have the contingency game, like when do you play it? Who would air it? So that's that might be a way to still keep the urgency of the bracket and give the one seed basically every possible chance that's realistic within a bracket. But it's, uh, yeah, obviously this is just, this is just a problem that college basketball is birthed unto itself. I just hate the idea that, and even like Valpo, which got the two lost Alec Peters and now Valpo's done. Like it's just, sometimes these just, these small programs, which I, I feel like we should cape up for a little bit and we should stump for the Wichita States and Illinois States and just the school, the Monmouths, because there's a lot going against them. And um, and for Monmouth to have to play at Siena's home building in its league tournament and Siena's a solid team. And you know what? Jimmy Patsos in the NCAA tournament would be amazing for anyone that has to cover his games. But just Monmouth got screwed, man. That's really ultimately one of the better mid-major teams of the past half decade that will never get to the tournament. Yeah, and again, there's no perfect solution to this because you're talking about – I mean, the whole reason the Ivy League went to a tournament is to get the championship game on television. Like, that's 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 the motivation. Yeah, that, and so, correct. like, television plays a massive role in this. Uh, so n- nothing is simple. It's all way more complicated than we're making it out to be or anybody else is making it out to be. And I haven't put – I'm just sort of spitballing here. But another way, why not – and I'm, I'm sure I could poke holes in this as well. Um, but, like, why not, if you're in a traditional one-bid league and you're trying to have a balance between, God, we would really like to give our best team the best opportunity to get to get to win the auto bid and get to the NCAA tournament, but we still need to have a tournament because it's a moneymaker, because it gets us on television. Could you do this? Is this too far? Is this too far? Your number one seed is already penciled into the championship game and everybody else is playing for the opportunity to play them. I don't think that's too far. And that means all you got to do is win one game. There everybody might else... be one or two leagues that do that. A few of them put them in the, in the semis. Yeah. And I don't think anybody goes all the way championship game. No one, no one. I want to yeah, I, you're probably right. There's probably no one that goes right to the title game. But why not that? Like sitting around in that, like, that's, that... that's also something. And then, but then there's like, holy crap. <laughs> it's really just like, but one you know, league. you know, but you know what happens? Here's what happens. Another team has to play three. They get hot. You've been exactly. off. You've been There's off for nothing. a week, and then the coach says, "We've been sitting around for a week with nothing to do." And that team played yesterday and the day before, and they got into a rhythm. Yeah. And now we like that. Like coaches would bitch about that as well. Oh, uh, listen, coaches uh, will bitch about just almost anything. Right. There's no doubt about that. It's right. it's unquestionable. Um, so there's no perfect solution, but I do you know, for everybody who watches Monmouth lose and Belmont lose and, and Oakland lose and say this is terrible. Just understand the the obvious solution is to just not have these. But if you don't have these, you don't have all this. You don't have all the other stories that are going to develop over the next week. I promise you for every disappointing Belmont loss, Monmouth loss, Oakland loss, there's going to be an amazing story that emerges based off of the auto bid in a single elimination league tournament. And before we get out of here, I don't know if this is anything to really talk about as much as it's just something I noticed and actually went and looked it up and found it interesting. 
you know, every once in a while you run into folks who say, you know what, like, uh, you know, when, when we're doing preseason top 25 and one or preseason anything, they say, hey, you don't know how to see. You don't know. Preseason polls are worthless. Preseason this is worthless. If you look at the top 10 leagues in the country right now, according to Ken Palm, which are, by the way, in order, Big 12, ACC, Big East, Big 10, SEC, Pac-12, American, Atlantic 10, Mountain West, Missouri Valley. Basically, there are no surprises in those leagues at all in terms of the league champions. Like, we had it all pegged. It was pegged. as guy. Yeah. Like, it's the way it was supposed to be. I'll walk you through it. Big 12. Kansas was obviously picked first. Kansas won it outright. ACC. Duke was picked first. North Carolina won it, but North Carolina was picked second. Like, so it's like nothing that surprising. The team that, a top 10 team that was picked second actually won the ACC outright. Big East, Villanova picked first. Villanova wins it. Big 10, and this is the wildest one. Purdue was picked fourth. Actually, the Big Ten doesn't actually do a formal preseason poll. But, like, if you go just by the AP poll, they were the fourth highest Big Ten team in the preseason AP yeah. poll. Ahead of but Wisconsin them. or Indiana was projected. Wisconsin, yeah, Indiana, like Michigan State, Purdue. That's the order it was supposed to be. According to the AP poll, Purdue was fourth. But, like, still Purdue was 15th in the preseason AP poll. So if the craziest thing that happened in a top 10 league is that a top 15 team won the Big Ten, like, like it was, this was all pretty predictable. SEC, Kentucky picked first. Kentucky wins it outright. Pac-12, Oregon and Arizona were picked first and second. They finished tied for first. AAC, SMU was picked second. They won it outright. Atlantic 10, Dayton picked first. They won it outright. Mountain West Conference, Nevada was picked second, but wins it outright. Missouri Valley, uh, Illinois State, Wichita State shared the league title. Uh, they were picked, they were picked first and second. In other words, top ten leagues in America, and they all at the, at least at the very top went basically the way they were supposed to go. That's interesting, huh? Or maybe it's not. Yeah. But I just I don't know. I no, no, it is, and only a few sideways teams. I mean, San Diego State is a shocker yeah. um, versus preseason expectations. Indiana turned into be relatively surprising given preseason expectations. Uh, but generally, no, it is it is funny how that works out. And uh, yeah, we've 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 definitely talked about that before. And I remember talking. Back in October, GP, us going through, and we we agreed on almost every league, and had kind of discussed like, there's really no reason why you would go against Villanova in the Big East, and you would go against Duke in the ACC, except for maybe North Carolina, and you would go against Kentucky, you know, and we knew UCLA was going to be really good, and we expected Oregon to be this good, and. At the time, Arizona, we were still waiting on Trier. But no, it is. Thanks for pointing that out. It is uh, It is pretty intriguing. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. That's the best way to get the latest episodes as quickly as possible. So please do that. Uh, thank you for listening. We will be back here on Wednesday. And we'll be right in the middle of the conference tournaments then, right? When do they get started? Like Tuesday, Wednesday? Yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, and then they're really in bloom for all the big ones on Thursday. Dig it, dig it, dig it. So we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Till then, take care.